0: This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to my patrons. They make this podcast possible and also very fun to do because we are able to interact on a private discord where we can talk, discuss topics, and just in general help each other collect the things that we want. So thank you so much to everyone who participates there. I couldn't appreciate you more. This episode is also brought to you by myself, If you haven't already heard, I've been working on a passion project called Cardfolio. It's going to be an app that'll let you scan your cards onto your phone and add them to your virtual binder. Your virtual binder allows you to keep track of not only what you own, but you'll also be able to keep track of what you need. Are you chasing a shadowless master set? If so, Cardfolio will be able to help you keep track of your progress towards your goal so that it makes it easier to achieve it. Cardfolio doesn't just catalog your collection and manage your collecting goals. It will also allow you to see your collection like an actual investment portfolio. This means you'll be able to see how much your collection is worth, how that value has changed over time, and how your collection value breaks down by item type. For example, how much do you have in raw cards versus slab cards versus sealed items? If all of this sounds like an app you would like to download, then join my early access waiting list. I'll keep you updated with app progress, mockups, and when it's available, early beta access. So it'll be fun and it'll be great. The link for the early access waiting list will be in the description below. So go ahead and sign up if that's something that you're interested in. Hello, my friends, and welcome to season three of the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast, where we apply financial and investing principles to our favorite hobby collectibles like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, comic books, Fortnite cards, you name it, we talk about it all. Thank you so much for being here. I am your host, Jess. So let's get started with collecting things that we love like damn adults. Here's today's episode. audience knows about your Instagram you have a pretty big Instagram account I mean compared to mine at least so if you could let everyone know you know who you are and if you could talk about a little bit about yourself and you know what you kind of do online
1: um so okay so you can check my Instagram on uh, Hadoukenido. Um. basically I started uh, I started this a while ago it's always been just a hobby uh i enjoy collecting mainly video games i also do uh trading cards uh, i also do um comics basically anything that's collectible and that's uh you know anything that reminds me of basically the good the good old days you know um at uh, i've always been like uh you know attending conventions and uh trading selling buying stuff Mm-hmm. but uh, with the boom of collectibles uh, around 2020 you know things took a big turn like i i always knew that these things are going to be worth a lot of money at one point uh but i thought i honestly thought it would happen by maybe 2035 or 2040 2045 something like that like <laughs> you know when i'm uh, uh get like it it made sense but uh, with uh, with what happened with mm-hmm. the pandemic and uh, you know uh, collectibles booming, uh, it also made sense to uh, to start treating this, treating this like an actual uh, business. Um, mm-hmm. So I started giving it more time. I started focusing more on it and uh, yeah, you can see that reflected on my Instagram account. so
0: yeah, absolutely. And I mean with your Instagram account, You, what I see a lot of obviously is the you know vintage graded video games, which is part of the reason one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on just because, um, you know, recently I kind of see I've seen an uptick in people curious about vintage video games, and I don't know if you know the video that came out with Carl Jopes and you know all that controversy with WADA and with Heritage Auctions, you know, regarding possible you know uh, allegations of market manipulation but you know it seems something that's becoming more popular obviously and it makes sense because you know we're nerdy people like i started with pokemon actually i started with baseball cards and then moved into pokemon and magic and all these other things so you know it makes sense to kind of collect in other areas as well so you know, that's why I was really happy to have you on because then we could really like pick your brain on what to do and what not to do, especially considering the prices of things. Because that's one of the things that I've been worried about, you know, sure. is are, are these prices really reflective? Uh, because for some of the graded games, they're insanely expensive. And considering how many games they publish just in general from every generation across each console, you know, it's like, well, shit. <laughs> Yeah. The these prices are very, you know, does the volume justify that? So so that's those are some things that we definitely wanted to get into, but um, sure. you know, going back to what you collect, because you said you collect a number of things, uh, what would you say you collect the most in your collection?
1: Um, definitely video games. Mm-hmm. Video games is is the thing I enjoy most. Um yeah, I can um if you want to talk about video games in general so collecting uh, sealed video games has, has always been a thing it's not mm-hmm. new you know it's been around since i want to say at least 15 years like there's there there has been a community for at least 15 years there was a website uh the website is still there actually but it's not it's not that active anymore called uh, sealed games uh heaven mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people on that website are today the biggest uh, collectors in sealed video games. Um, so uh, it's always been around. However, we always knew that these games were greatly underappreciated. Now, just you know, the uh, what what we had happen is similar to basically any any hobby where things would go. Up, you know, in a very, uh, in a very, uh, crazy manner, which would definitely trigger a little bit of a retrace, and the more it goes up, the high, the the bigger the retrace would would be. Um, now, I want to try to address the points you mentioned uh, uh, s- separately. Uh, number one, are games valuable? In uh, in the sense that uh, you know they they were you want to say I think you want to say that they were mass produced, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, because uh, for a game that is twenty or twenty five years old, to for you to be able to find it still in its uh, shrink wrap, still sealed. Uh, you know, sometimes it never even hit the the store shelves. That's that's not something that happens, uh, uh, as often as as you may think. That's Mm -hmm. the first point. The second point is, uh, uh, there's always the supply and demand issue, right? So, even if there are 200 sealed copies, I don't know if there are, but I'm just saying, even if there are 200 sealed copies, for example, of Pokemon Red you're gonna have thousands of people wanting those 200 sealed copies. And out of those 200 sealed copies, you're gonna have maybe 50 copies in uh, okay to, to excellent shape. You're gonna have maybe 20 copies in near mint condition. And
0: you're mm-hmm. gonna have maybe
1: 10 copies in you know pristine gem mint condition. So, so this is to answer your question about, you know, whether they, they should be valuable or not. Uh, I'll tell you one thing to, uh, to give you an idea of how undervalued these games uh, were. And I always talk about Pokemon because, uh, like, Pokemon is my main thing, you mm-hmm. know, whether it comes to video games or trading cards or whatever. And I think it's a perfect example because Pokemon is the number one franchise in the world. And that's reflective in in game collecting and collecting in general, because most people who do collect video games collect Nintendo stuff. And most people who collect Nintendo stuff tend to probably want to collect at least the generation one of Pokemon games for the Game Boy.
0: Games that they probably played when they were kids. Yeah,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Even if they haven't played them, like I had people, you know, who are today, who are 20 years old, like Pokemon came out 25 years ago. Uh, people who are 20 years old and they want to collect these because they want the history of having the original threes, you know, the covers that had Charizard, did Pikachu, and uh, Blastoise. Uh, but yeah,
2: mm-hmm. so
1: uh, yeah, I was saying t- to give you an idea of how undervalued these games used to be when uh, we need to go back to uh, to th- around 2018. So in 2018. You can buy a sealed copy. You could have bought a sealed copy of Pokemon Red that's in great condition, excellent condition, VGA eighty-five plus, all right, uh-huh. for maybe eight hundred dollars. Right? At the same time, in 2018, first edition uh uh first edition PSA 10 Charizard, I think uh was going for I want to say $25,000, $25, maybe twenty-five or $30,000, right? So $30,000 and maybe 500 to $800 for a Pokemon Red, a sealed copy of Pokemon Red. There are 120-something, 120 right? 121 or 122. In the um, PSA
0: 10, edition. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We don't have right pop around. reports, but... I can say with confidence that at least in 2018, we didn't have more than ten copies of Pokemon Red that are in mint condition circulating around.
0: What would be considered the the mint starting mint position, mint condition for uh, VGA? For, uh, in, so uh, back Wanda? in the
1: day, in 2018, uh, the the main grading company was VGA, mm-hmm. uh, and by VGA standards, once you get into uh, eighty five plus, that's the gold. Okay grade so once you get into 85 plus you're pretty much uh uh good on uh, like the game you'll have in your hands is pretty much mint mm-hmm. okay. uh, so yeah uh
0: would would yeah. the 8.5 equivalent for Wada also be considered mint grade as well or is it a little bit higher
1: no a what uh a, a scale is totally different i'll get to okay. that in a minute but let me just sure. continue to continue this point. Um, you know, fast forward to 2020. And, uh, you know, the reason I'm, I'm using the first edition Charizard is because it's the card that takes the Pokemon hobby, you know, up and down. Charizard goes, goes up, everything else goes up. Charizard goes down, everything go, goes down, right? Uh, so I think this should also be, Reflected in 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 games as well, right? And we're talking about Pokemon here. So in 2020, uh, Charizard first edition PSA 10 became a hundred thousand dollar card in early 2020. Yeah. By that time, you can still buy. I mean, this might be shocking to you, but early 2020, you can still buy a uh, a VGA graded Pokemon Red for a thousand dollars or a thousand five hundred dollars. That's it. Mm -hmm. It was greatly undervalued, like people did not realize, you know, it wasn't until mid 2020, around mid 2020, mid to maybe, you know, this fourth quarter of 2020, when people started realizing the value of this, by then, you know, a first edition PSA 10 Charizard was a $250,000 card so the prices of something like a po- like pokemon red shot mm-hmm. up incredibly yeah. you know it went from being able to buy this game for $1500 to a $50,000 game and even when it when it was a $50,000 game even when it became a $50,000 game uh, people around us we knew it's still undervalued while people were talking about it in a way that uh, you know, there was this. Uh, uh, a few guys talking about it uh, game collectors who don't do sealed games were kind of uh pissed off about it like, why is this game a fifty thousand dollar game? And uh, you know, yeah. they started comparing it to other stuff. Well, you guys need to understand it's it's Pokemon Red, there's Charizard on the cover. There are maybe uh, uh you know, at, at best at that point, you could be looking at maybe. 20 copies 20 mint copies in in circulation like if you try to uh, dig into uh, ebay and forums and stuff you won't even find 20 copies Like mm-hmm. of course it's going to be uh, at least a five digit uh, uh, game uh after that you know as is always typical with collectibles after that point came the euphoria stage
2: <laughs> Yeah. Right? yeah
1: so suddenly it went from being a $50,000 game to uh, without without an actual sale, but people started speculating that this is a $300,000 game when you find it in Wata 9.8. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so then the Carl video happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Carl video... Uh, I'm not going to say that it did not have an effect on the market. It did have a a sort of effect on the market, but the video itself did not cause that. What caused it? The video was sort of the catalyst. It was the catalyst that caused this uh, effect. Now, in collectibles in general, we started seeing a bit of a downtrend in the past period. In video games specifically, uh people were uh you know a lot of people had congested feelings about uh video games and uh um you know we run the, some facebook groups and uh you know other places where people come and talk about video games and sealed games, and we wouldn't allow them to you know basically uh, basically like just talk in a hateful way or talk in a way that you know, you get the feeling that these people—they're not—they're not trying to uh, bring out a specific point. They're just kind of mad because they missed the train, they missed the bus on, mm. on video games. So we wouldn't allow that. And these people were were a lot because what happened when when the sealed video game market went up, the video game market in general went up. So people who yeah. used to go to yard sales, and uh, you know, the people who bought games from from trucks and stuff for five dollars and one dollar, and they suddenly, you know, suddenly those games that they used to buy for five dollars, they can no longer buy for less than fifty dollars. Right. So there was this sort of congestion, that and congestion and feeling of maybe feeling of a lot of people felt like they missed out on, you know, because can you imagine like game that was right in front of you for one thousand dollars that you could have just bought and sold six months later for maybe fifty sixty thousand dollars that's the kind of thing that would get a lot of people mad so this is what the video did was a lot of people you know as what tends to happen when people get, get mad about these things they start putting out conspiracy theories and uh, you know, to, to saying that those these people are scammers or this company is a scamming company and uh, all that. So this video came to them and they used it like a proof or or something. You know, mm-hmm. although a lot of the information in the video were, was like greatly misinformed. Like the whole, you know, the the information that 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 Carl brought up was either something that the community already knew and didn't care about but he said it in a way that you know uh in a dramatic way in the video or it was it was a total uh it wasn't true a lot of information wasn't true on it and he came and he he actually addressed that later
2: Uh uh-huh
1: he he apologized about a lot of things but no one cared (laughs) because Uh, people want to hear what they want to hear.
0: What what certain things was he, you know, admitting later on that he got wrong? Because it sounds like he might have been making, in your opinion, like, uh, you know, maybe taking information out of context or maybe making, you know, arguments in bad faith. What were some of those things?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, to get into those will take a lot of time because the video is like one hour. But in general, he had uh, information that, uh that the community already knew about there was there was a few mistakes from a few people that he mentioned mm-hmm. and those people already that like it wasn't hidden it was something that's already it talked already about on. and mm-hmm. and the people who who were involved in in those mistakes they addressed them months ago and oh, they okay. were already something that's so you know what i mean but he brought it up in a way as if like as if he he uncovered something like it wasn't uncovered the information was already <laughs> already there gotcha right? and it like, was already
0: uh, common knowledge if you're in those communities and on those forums and yeah those but Facebook not
1: and not only that because you know like one of the points i actually i watched the video when it came out so i don't remember a lot of the things that i should be talking about right now but one thing that comes to mind is when he got that guy who worked with the, uh, Heritage Auctions
2: uh,
1: mm-hmm. and the guy started talking about how uh, you know his father told him the secret about uh, the guys at Heritage who would uh, put out an item and then um, win the bidding on it and then put it back in the uh, you know, in their safe and then bring it back mm. out a few months later and win it for a, for like a higher amount. Like
0: rebuying their items? Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that was so dramatic. Like, why would you put it, you know, why, why would you put it that way? When, when you can easily just get on Heritage and check their terms and conditions and you would know that they allow people who work at Heritage, no matter who they were, they allow them to bid on items. Uh-huh. it's their terms and conditions like you might you might not like it i might think it might you know there it might be uh you know uh inappropriate but it, it's in in their terms and conditions like when you're getting in and bidding you know that it's 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 happening it's not something mm-hmm. that's happening under the table and uh you know a lot uh, Heritage allows you as a person who, who consigned an item to bid on your item. It's not something, it's not, uh, they don't, as, if you win, as long as you pay and they get their cut, you know, they don't, they don't see they don't anything wrong, wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And they have, They and it's in their rules again, it's not hidden. So for a person to put an item uh, and that for, person feels that this item is worth, my item is worth $10,000 and then it doesn't uh, reach the amount uh, that person was hoping for he can just you know outbid the current highest bid and keep the item for himself eventually he'll end right. up paying fees and stuff it's not it's not you know it's not a smart move to do but if someone really doesn't want their item to go cheap so so this was this is something that's that that this was something that everyone knew but it was it was placed in the video in a way that you know as if it, something was uncovered like uh, it was very dramatic and uh, yeah interesting uh, yeah.
0: Um, yeah that that's really interesting. So for everyone who might be wanting to get a little bit more information uh, you know on these um, on these on this topic in particular, um, where would you say people should go, to find other information to either verify facts or to, um, you know, cause, cause, cause like the, the problem of, of what it is, is when you're presented information, you know, you always have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and, you know, mm-hmm. verify your own facts or kind of do your own research. And what you were saying, a lot of things that he was uncovering were kind of commonplace. So where can people go to, you know, do some information digging on their own? Um, if they're not too familiar that's
1: that's a great that's a great question but um unfortunately there there you know there isn't any uh place you know that has that conveniently has all the information that you need just like any hobby out there like if you really want to get into it and learn about stuff and talk to the people who are in the hobby you need to do some digging get into a few of the facebook the bigger facebook uh, group that uh, for example we have uh, sealed games club sgc on facebook there are over 3300 members on there with a lot of them you know a lot of the members are some of the uh, biggest collectors in the community they're always happy to talk and help and you know, hold discussions. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's one place, for example. Um, and yeah, basically, if you if you want information, you need to uh, d- dig around, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what I was getting at, you know, like, what forums in particular, do you like to go on to have conversations with people? Um, how big are those communities? Typically? A few 1000s. A oh, few 1000. Okay. Yeah. yeah, those are those are pretty big. <laughs> I would definitely say, but I mean that—that's really awesome. So, you know, as far as, um, I mean, because one of the things that you said, um, you know, obviously makes sense, right? When it comes to, um, you know, if you're wanting to get into video games, you know, looking at the market and seeing kind of what's listed and what's been around and what's been available, even though there aren't necessarily uh, that many population reports out, which you know, I know WADA is coming out with that soon. Hopefully, um, VGA has the plan to, you know, come up with theirs as well. Um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of groundwork for right now yeah. that someone needs to do in order to really have a grasp of, um, you know, what's, you know, how how much volume is out there. But, um, you know, when those population reports come out, I mean, you know, this might be like a toss up question, but how do you think that will impact the market? Do you think that will bring more people in because there's more information and more transparency from that perspective?
1: Um, I definitely do think that it'll bring more people in because one of the things, one of the question questions I always get from people, from my friends who collect uh, cards or comics or anything or all these things, like they keep asking about population reports. Mm-hmm. Right? Where are we gonna get them? Uh, how do you know this game is rare? How do you know this game? Yeah, it's a fair question and uh, uh it's it's a very fair request, and I think that uh, the grading companies should really start bringing out these pop reports because yeah it's I think it's overdue and uh, one thing not a lot of people knew is that um a VGA has always had pop reports before okay and they stopped around, I think, 2019. But their Mm -hmm. pop report system was a bit um, weird, quite outdated for today, it'll never work. Uh, The system was that you'd send them an email with three games maximum per day that you can ask about pop report off. So you send an email to (laughs) VGA and say, (laughs) hi, VGA, what's the pop on Pokemon (laughs) Red, Pokemon Blue, and Pokemon Yellow? Uh-huh. And you'll get you'll get a reply within a day or something, uh, giving you the exact pop reports of uh, of those games. So a lot of people save that uh, information from back in the day, and that's how we have a bit of an idea about a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sense. example, um, again, you know, Pokemon. I think Pokemon is kind of my specialty. That's why I keep giving Pokemon as examples. Uh,
0: we're all pokemon people here so it's okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) for some reason uh, pokemon blue is not as available as other games as far as condition the Mm. condition rarity of pokemon blue is crazy like uh back in the day you you had a few copies of pokemon blue that was 85 plus graded 85 plus and if i remember correctly there was maybe one vga 90 and then one vga 95 or 95 plus that's okay. it
2: hmm.
1: like you know once you get to vga 90 and beyond 90 the game starts approaching perfection basically so there are two copies basically uh, at least by 2019 there were only two copies that were graded and are that were in perfect condition
2: mm-hmm. while
1: there were maybe five or six or seven copies of Pokemon Red and maybe uh, 10, 15, or 20 copies of Pokemon Yellow. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, If you find a minty-looking Pokemon Blue, that's probably a rare game.
0: Mm -hmm. And you're talking about also across both brands, right? Both grading companies?
1: Yeah, so so now it's very uh, complicated. It's quite complicated because... um, from 2020, starting from 2020, uh, oh, a lot of people started crossing their games from VGA to oh. Wata, prompted by you know getting uh, higher prices in the aftermarket. Uh, I think what Wata did was very smart regarding the the scale they implemented in video games. Because the scale is very reflective of comics, and what yeah. that did was uh, attract the comic people, the people because they
0: understood comics. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: People who collect comics—that's one. That's un, that's one reason about why you know why the price went up, uh, and and that's actually an or- organic reason. People would tell you it isn't, but it's actually or, uh, quite an organic reason. Because the guys who collected video, uh, who collect comics, uh, you know, a $5,000 comic is on the lower end of, uh, right? A $10,000 comic is probably still kind of on the lower end of what is expensive and what isn't expensive in in comic books. So for them to look at video games and see a video game graded 9.8 or 9.6, and it's priced as at $1,000, yeah, they're just going to grab that. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a game they they can relate to, or if it has comic book characters like Spider-Man or Batman, Or right? So yeah. it's $1,000, yeah, of course I'm going to grab that. Uh, and I'm going to sell it to my friend who also collects comics for $3,000. And then maybe we're going to realize there aren't many in the market and it's going to go up to $5,000 and $10,000 and this happened in a very short span a lot some of it was speculation for example the Spider-Man Atari game people thought it's it's rare and uh, but you know people who are who were in video games we always knew that this game is widely available
0: but the people, Spider-Man Atari <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah it's it's a very common game to find sealed even though it's like really old. Uh, so the price went up to almost $10,000. And then a month later, it became a $2,000 game. So mm. some people were held uh, left holding the bags. But it's difficult with collectibles. Like when something like this happened, you don't go out and just call the whole industry of that collectibles like uh, a <laughs> scam or whatever.
0: Um, right right because because these markets are speculative they're very um i don't want to say dangerous but but they're speculative so they're going to be inefficient when it comes to pricing and i mean really also it comes down to the that moment in time of how many collectors are looking for that particular item too um it just makes so much sense from that perspective um Oh man i feel so bad for the person that bought it for ten thousand dollars so um and you know going back to your point when you saw and noticed that a lot of comic book collectors seem to be coming into the video game space um the when i first heard that video games a were graded i found it to be really interesting because i never thought of that because i mean i have i have comic books that are graded or ungraded i have you know, cards across many things that are graded or ungraded. And and so for me, I love graded things, partially because it saves, you know, the condition of that item, whatever it is, you know, the condition of that item is saved. And also too, they stack really nice. I, I don't know, I like the stacking. But um when I when I was reading articles and stuff like that talking about grading video games, it really reminded me of some of the very old school headed comic book guys because all the comments on these articles I was reading they were saying oh why would you why would you encapsulate a game you can't play it you know and it reminded me reminded me of those comments where it's like oh you know why would you encapsulate a comic you can't read it and so I just thought it was so funny to me um to to see that because you know, I understand it from a gamer perspective because I like the things and I like to have the things to potentially play. So like, you know, those old PS2 classics that that have come out. I mean, especially those really niche genres, like uh, horror games. I, I cannot play horror games because I'm just a baby, but I love watching other people play them if I can like get through it. So Rule of Rose, Fatal Frame, you know, Silent Hill, Resident, you know, all those games. Like those are really interesting to me. So it's nice to be able to like, have a cd to play it but honestly though when you compare that to like a graded sealed encapsulated like it just looks so nice on a shelf too
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, and like um you know this this argument has oh it's not really an argument it's just uh <laughs> people complaining right because if you wanna if you want to play a video game just buy the game loose just get yeah. on get on eBay and buy the disc by itself, or buy buy the cartridge, or buy a complete unboxed game, and open it up and and play it. Do you need to rip the shrink wrap off something that's thirty years old or twenty five years old? Is, is like how big is your is your ego? You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just leave that. It's probably one of ten or twenty or thirty or fifty or whatever pieces that are still sealed, and some people. Uh, argue that it's you know being in this condition means uh, it's potentially a museum piece at one point in the future like you mentioned rule of rose rule of Mm -hmm. rose is one of the the rarest ps2 games right so and i can understand when people say that i want to play rule of rose it's not released on any other console beyond the ps2 well Mm -hmm. okay buy and buy a used one and play it. You don't need to rip open <laughs> one of the few remaining sealed copies. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and how much is that going for right now? It's something like 600 I, I You know, I might be getting Kuan and Rule hmm. of Rose prices confused because I've been keeping an eye on both of those, but um, I mean, I went for under, under 1000 That's not...
1: <laughs> R- Rule of Rose okay. and, and what? What was the other game? Uh,
0: Kuan? Um, oh, it,
1: oh, it, oh, it, yes, yes. yes, it's a horror game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Rule of Rose is... Uh, you can probably get a sealed one that is not graded, right now for yeah under probably under a thousand dollars if mm-hmm. you if you look hard enough. But uh, if you want a graded one, uh, typically a highish grade, nine point six with Wata or VGA eighty five plus with uh, VGA, um, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna run you a few thousand dollars for sure.
0: Mm. Gotcha. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, because, um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of genres within video games. And, you know, of course, people tend to gravitate towards their nostalgia, you know, what things they liked and they didn't like. And obviously, for me, you know, I'm looking at the horror games, because I always, for whatever reason, like that little niche like that subgenre. Um, are there subgenres, or, or I mean, I guess just niche z- genres that are kind of like hidden gems right now within video games that aren't getting that much traction on the secondary market, but you know, you think would be really good for people, you know, maybe trying to dip their toes into uh, buying vintage games?
1: Well, I wouldn't uh, know about genres in general, but um, uh, there are there's a huge amount of video games that are greatly underappreciated mm-hmm. you know we're still at a young stage in the market where people are still going for the typical and known uh gems basically the yeah. you know super mario pokemon um you know stuff for the playstation uh like tekken and crash bandicoot and uh, you know all the main games these are the things that are appreciating greatly in in price um however there are a lot of games that are crazy rare that are still greatly undervalued but i wouldn't want to talk about specific games i will tell you however that in general japanese games are crazy underappreciated right now Mm -hmm. like really really underappreciated it's it's not even it's not even funny though like this is uh, Does it
0: matter if they had like a U.S. or European localization? Or are you talking about only Japanese release? Japanese only in
1: general, because, you know, games are released in uh, different regions. Mm-hmm. So you have the Japanese release, you have the European release, and you have the U.S. Uh, uh, release. At the moment, the only release that went up dramatically in price is the U.S. release, mm-hmm. right? So all these record breaking prices you see on heritage, on uh, whatever, uh, they're all. US games. Like even European and UK games they they haven't gone that far from where they used to be.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, Japanese games, however, they did not change in prices since since maybe 2016 or 2017. Really? To me, yeah, to me that's huh. that's that's insane, because a lot of the Japanese stuff are the true first prints of a lot of games. Right. Now we we know that in general, you know, the collectible market is in the U.S. and and uh, when the U, the U.S. is basically the the hub of collectibles, and it has the biggest collectors in the world. Which is why you'll always have U.S. games and U.S. items being number one in price. In
2: price. You know
1: that's not, that's not going to change. I'm not saying that Japanese games will be priced higher than U.S. games. That's like of the game same games in a U.S. release. That's never going to happen. But what I'm saying is, if uh, I'm trying to think of an example of an Exact uh, accurate example um yeah okay so if a super mario 64 sealed copy can sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars then is there a reason that the japanese copy of that game goes should go for two thousand dollars that to me that doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that the Japanese copy should be worth hundreds of thousands, but it shouldn't be worth two thousand either. A sealed unopened uh, mm-hmm. an unopened copy. So this tells me this is greatly underappreciated. And I would tell collectors that if you I always tell my friends like if you wanna get into something like you know you know, you wanna make money, then the Japanese market is is good right now. And the companies are eventually going to expand to Japanese markets. I can mm-hmm. tell you this, like with confidence, like it's gonna happen sooner or later. PSA is already setting up office in Japan. Like they have an office in Japan. And to... already...
2: yeah,
1: yeah, and they're already gonna start taking submissions. And Wata is part of uh, PSA now.
0: Yeah, so, so it makes sense.
1: Yeah, so if that happens, Japanese games are going to go. Uh, up in price and we already saw a glimpse of this in the last uh heritage auction where a gold cartridge uh punch out for the Famicom mm, which is the yeah. super NES, sold for uh I'm not sure how sold for like was it ten thousand? I
0: I 000. don't know, but that's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's sold for a lot and it's not graded, it's just unopened. Mm. And but this it's, game,
0: it's sealed in box. Is that same? It's thing? unopened because
1: a lot of these, um, in, in Japan, Nintendo 64 and uh, Super Famicom and Famicom games never came with a seal on, they never came oh. with a shrink wrap or a okay, or a cellophane seal or anything. So, uh, but the grading companies can know that they were unopened because once you open the, the box, it creases, uh, yeah, there's a even a microscopic crease, like they can, they can catch that and tell that the game has been has been open. Uh, so the yeah, the you can typically still go into the Japanese market and buy Final Fantasy Seven, a Huge sealed game. copy of Final Fantasy Seven for five hundred dollars.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: While a sealed copy, a sealed. A U.S. copy of Final Fantasy VII that's graded 9.8 today can be sold for, like, if I'm being super conservative, it can be sold for 35, dollars dollars. Wow! <laughs> like that's insane, right?
0: I mean, that was, I remember that being a big game, but damn. How
1: can how can how can people sleep on a a 500 dollar release of that game that's actually earlier than the one people are paying 40,000 for. Again, I'm not saying that this Japanese copy is going to sell for 50 or 60,000, but I I you know, I bet you anything that it's not going to be selling for $500 forever. So Yeah. Uh,
0: it's really interesting that you bring up Japanese uh localized games as being, you know, kind of the hidden gem to you in your in your mind because it completely parallels to Pokemon in my head. I mean, obviously right now, I've been seeing recently in the past 12 months Japanese cards getting a lot of love, right? A lot more love than they did and they've been going up in pricing. Now, mind you, there are, I'm not nearly as well versed with prices and cards as, you know, the Japanese market compared to other friends that I know that are in the hobby. So I'm not going to try to like feign any kind of expertise in that respect. But I mean, you know, I feel like there were points in the market where people were absolutely saying the same thing (laughs) with Pokemon cards, just as what you're saying with uh, video games, which is, I find, I find to be really interesting. I mean, there are also some games that I don't think you can get, like Kuan. I don't know. Was that in? Did that ever come out in in the U.S.? I, I don't know. I can't even remember. But I mean, that's good to know that you know that could be one area where people can start educating themselves. Yeah. um And if they can't get their you know English version Final Fantasy Seven, get your Japanese and and at least you can yeah. still enjoy the box and and, <laughs> and looking at it.
1: <laughs> Do A lot they, of the Japanese art is actually even more beautiful than uh, US art. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, are you meaning on the cover, on the box itself? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. So it's designed differently. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah that, it's, that's good uh, to know. That's one of the things that uh, even me, like uh, growing up and collecting uh, games, I grew up in, in the Middle East in Dubai and uh, we had all different regions. We didn't have our own region so we'd get games from different regions in the market like you'd see you'd go to mm-hmm. a shop and you'd see the guy selling japanese games uh u.s games and european games and yeah. uh, to me uh as far as english uh, english uh games would go the u.s always had the best art because there's also oh. a difference between the u.s and the european uh market the u.s always to me at least it always had the best looking art and uh, you know the esrb rating you know the mature rated uh, mature or whatever mm-hmm. uh, it always blended very nicely as far as uh, like I'm, I'm talking about art like cover art it blended very nicely with the with the cover whereas the the peggy art that came on the european uh, the peggy rating that came on the european games it kind of popped out from the cover i Mm. I didn't like that it's one of the main reasons (laughs) i I always collected us games as a kid but when i used to look at the japanese covers like they're crazy they're so colorful so uh, they looked so amazing but yeah i would only buy them for collection purposes because i I didn't speak japanese so uh but yeah they make amazing collectibles and uh another thing i want to mention is that there are games in Japan uh, that were released only for the Japanese market, and you know how. Uh, one more point is that you know how you have the trophy cards in uh, Pokemon and stuff. You mm-hmm. also have trophy games. This is something people. The, the masses are seriously. Still like, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. when they would play tournaments, like yeah, game tournaments, yeah, okay. they would. Win, so you would
1: get like a golden cartridge. Oh,
0: that
1: comes in, a, in a plaque. And some of those are like you can't you can't imagine like how how underrated the Japanese market is. Uh, uh, so for
0: what games are they like Nintendo? Is yeah, that yeah? Okay. So
1: for for example, there is uh, uh, one of the grails of the Japanese market is uh, Rockman Four Gold mm-hmm. cartridge. That's Mega Man Mega Man Four. So what happened is before the game was released, they did this competition where you can design one of the evil guys from uh, uh, Mega Man for that game.
2: Oh, nice.
1: Okay. If your design was chosen to be in the game, you would receive a gold cartridge of that game of Mega Man 4. Wow. So there were only eight copies of this. Eight copies. And of those eight copies, there are three. There are two in the market in Japan. And both of them are placed with not-for-sale labels. I was
0: going to ask, are they active? (laughs) Okay.
1: However, one of those was in Osaka's uh, Super Potato. And it was for sale up until 2019 Hmm. for $6,000. That's it, $6,000. This is, you know, this is potentially, like, if this actually goes on Heritage, I can tell you with confidence that this is a multi-hundred-thousand-dollar game, it was just sitting there, not
0: graded, it. sealed not, still. It, it, can,
1: it can be graded. You can grade it with VGA so far. I'm sure Wata would even do an exception for such a cartridge. They don't have. Uh, they don't do Super Famic, uh, sorry, Famicom games yet. They mm-hmm. don't have the size for it. But if yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would do an exception for such a, uh, you know, crazy uh grail Uh, so i do have
0: a question um for all of us who still don't know enough can you explain what a famicom game is
1: a famicom is uh, basically the japanese uh, nes oh okay so in japan it was released as a famicom Mm
0: -hmm. when it
1: went to the us i guess the executives there decided that the game the name maybe doesn't make much sense for them or it wouldn't resonate well with the audience or something so they changed it to the Nintendo entertainment system.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but the Famicom has basically all these same games, but the cartridge is different. It's a smaller, smaller cartridge than the mm. NES uh, cartridge. But it's, it's the same games. Yeah. Same
0: thing. Okay. Okay, that's good. Thanks.
1: <laughs> and, then, and then they released the Super Famicom, which became the Super NES.
0: The Super NES. Okay, that's yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: F- Famicom is, is short for family computer. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like so them.
0: creative <laughs> so you know i i have to ask um when it okay so you've given us a shit ton of information i really appreciate it um but i know these guys do too so if you had a hundred dollars mm. to put into whatever and that could be video games that could be something completely different since you collect a lot of other stuff but you know what would you spend that money on and why hmm
1: Hundred dollars. Honestly, if I had a hundred dollars, I'll probably put it into crypto. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Why would you say that?
1: <laughs> because uh, that, that. Okay, this will open a whole new discussion. But yeah, <laughs> the crypto market is is doing, uh, has been. There's a there's a huge dip right now, so if you put in a hundred dollars in something as typical as a whatever just bitcoin or ethereum it'll probably do very well for you but yeah let's Mm -hmm. let's get back to (laughs) sure fair fair. um hundred dollars if you have access to japan i would put that hundred dollars into raw pokemon cards i'll Mm -hmm. try to pick the best Cards available on the market because you can still buy some cards that look amazing. You know, holographic base set cards or Neo. Oh,
0: I was about to ask yeah. what sets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the you can buy the vintage stuff in, in in potentially PSA ten condition, mm. for Wrong. for maybe five, five, six dollars, seven dollars <sighs> a card. Yeah. So,
0: so, so why would you why would you get Pokemon cards and not, for example, a video game? I'm just curious.
1: Uh, video games are still, uh, uh, because I felt that you asked me from a uh, perspective of m- mm-hmm. making money, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I left it very open, but I was just curious. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to, uh, I think, I think you would make a lot more money buying raw Pokemon cards and, uh, potentially getting them graded or even if if mm-hmm. you don't grade them, if you just flip them right away, you'll probably make, you'll, you'll double or triple your money with you know when you're dealing with small numbers like a hundred dollars uh yeah. with video games uh it depends <clears throat> it's highly you need to you need to find it's highly condition dependent on a lot of the games because if you find something cheap it's probably missing something or mm. uh the condition is not that great and if if the condition is great then it's probably not cheap
0: right right yeah yeah, but
1: you can you can definitely go for video games, but you need to have a bit... There's a bit of... Uh, uh, um, it's not as easy to find the best possible video games to make money on compared mm-hmm. to Pokemon. For Pokemon, all you need to do is go after the Holos that are, you know, the classic Holos, and you're probably good <laughs> if you're spending $5 on a, you know, Classical on a rock
0: hard yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's in good condition yeah. yeah yeah that that absolutely makes sense um yeah so then um when it comes to like grading video games because that's because we've been talking about you know video games just in general but have you sent in many video games to get graded like what um if if i was someone that had some games that wanted to get graded how, how would i go about that process um okay. yeah
1: um, I've sent in hundreds of video games to VGA to and uh, to Wata. I've been dealing mainly with Wata right now, not because I I don't want to deal with VGA. No, I like both companies. Uh, but Wata is at the moment, you know, their system of submission is uh, is very easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, their user interface is uh, is pretty good. Compared to VGA. And um, I think that, you know, a lot of people complain about the turnaround times and stuff. But even today, I think Wata is doing quite better than uh, other companies as far as time. It, I mean, it depends really on which tier, which service you want to use. But if you're using the top service, mm-hmm. you're going to get your game back. Uh, you know pretty quickly yeah yeah mm-hmm. like it's not going to be as quickly as uh advertised but still it's not it's not bad at all you know mm-hmm. compared, to, compared to other companies
0: what's uh, the average turnaround is it is it, it a long on, time like
1: oh. yeah it, de- it depends on which uh, service you want to use like with water if you use the top service the rap wrap uh, zone warp zone sorry uh that's I think it's advertised as, as seven business days. You'll probably get it in two weeks or less. Mm-hmm.
2: Ten, days,
1: 10 days maybe.
2: That's yeah. not bad
0: that
1: at all. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's quite expensive. That's really expensive. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to start from about $200. Per okay. Game.
0: That makes yeah. sense.
1: Yeah, okay. so so I wouldn't send something in uh that uh, service tier unless unless it's a game that's worth a lot of money. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm. Right. Or if
1: it's something that I want to flip instantly and uh, I need it in my hands as soon as possible um, the second one which is which is what most people use I think uh, I don't remember because the timings change you know from time to time I haven't checked lately but I think it's somewhere around I want to say 30 30 or 45 business days Mm. so you're gonna need at least two months Mm -hmm. yeah on luck sometimes you would really get it in two months sometimes it'll take more than that Uh, depending you know sometimes they're they're out of 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 a few uh you know of the units they need to assemble the 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 cases Mm -hmm. like at one point they didn't have enough cases for for DVD sized games, you know. PS2, we, oh. so that that put them uh, 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 behind schedule a bit. But yeah, in in general, like, I don't think it's that as bad as people make it out to be. Mostly, mostly the newer people who come into collecting, they take those dates you know to heart. Like you told me forty five days, and it's been forty seven days.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh i mean I-, I sent in some stuff like to cgc months ago right and i'm still here waiting it- it's just barely now getting scheduled to get graded so yeah. you know people i mean different than when it was a few years ago at least but you know even still you got to be patient
1: yeah yeah exactly what i do yeah. is that when i send when i send games i just forget about them
0: <laughs> literally that. the same thing with cards yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you really have to and yeah <laughs> that's what i've been doing right now I, i've been waiting for about 500 cards to come in for a little bit so <laughs> wow. yeah. yeah yeah but uh, you, i mean got.
1: uh sorry i was i wanted to say that um like maybe when we started talking you uh, you asked me a question and we we said we'll talk about it later uh uh regarding the grade differences between yes with water uh the the grading scale is totally different like i have a lot of people who come to me and tell me like uh my game is a VGA 90 Mm -hmm. Uh, what grade is it going to get with water it's impossible to tell impossible to tell because the grading system is totally different okay when when Wata looks at games. They give it a separate grade, a number, and a mm-hmm. letter. So the number is the grade of the box, and not only the box. Uh, in the, in the case of uh, uh, games such as uh, PS1 games, they would even look at the manual from behind oh. the, the plastic, mm-hmm. and they would check, for example, the staples of the manual. If they're rusty, oh
0: know, my so- gosh! Yeah, yeah if it they're... if it was already opened, if it wasn't
1: sealed, no, because because when you when you look at the PS one game, mm-hmm. you can see the manual from behind the plastic. Oh
0: yeah, the it, it, in the cassette, yeah,
1: yeah, okay, yeah. and you can see the the staples of the manual as well. <laughs> so if it's rusty, it's gonna uh, hit the grade. If huh. the manual has has moved inside the the case. It might cause a bit of nicks on the on the side of the manual mm-hmm. just like a, how a card might have a couple of nicks you know the white marks this is also gonna take the grade down uh so vga doesn't look at all those things uh so wata looks at that and gives it uh a number mm-hmm. from one to ten uh and they look at the seal or the wrap, and they give it a letter. Okay. Uh, a plus plus being the highest, or A plus or A, B plus B, C plus C, C being the lowest. So, uh, on the other hand, with VGA, they would uh, look at the game in general, mm-hmm. and VGA places uh, like a really heavy. Uh, weight of the grading into the seal right like if the game for for vga if if a game is uh has a perfect box the box has absolutely no dents no problems at all
0: so you look at all the corners
1: but the corners are perfect everything is Mm -hmm. perfect but the seal the shrink wrap has a has a cut then this is gonna take your grade down to 85 Maximum, like it's gonna yeah. cap it at eighty-five. Eighty-five is a silver grade, so you already lost the gold grade if you have a tear in the seal. With Wata, this exact same game can potentially be nine point six or nine point eight even, mm-hmm. but you know, since it has a tear in tear in the seal, uh this will affect the seal grade. Like it'll be right. A. a right example, instead of a plus plus or. or- or B, B plus or something. Yeah. Uh, so that's very important to note. Like, you can never say that this game is a VGA 90, so it's a Wata 9.6 or 9.8. It's not, it's definitely not how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, I, does
0: does Wata, like, when they grade outside of the seal, do they do categories as well? Um, like with cards, you know, so centering, you know, on the corners. label itself? On the, yeah well i mean i guess whether yeah. or not it has subgrades do they do they calculate like that, no. that they don't grade? Uh, no? they
1: uh, they do that only for uh cib complete in box okay. games mm-hmm. uh when you're grading a complete in box game they would give a grade for the cartridge uh, a grade for the box and the grade for the manual and the grade for the they would even grade like anything that came with the game, any extra stuff, like any paperwork that came with the game, Mm -hmm. any cards or whatever. And then they would give it a a total grade, where uh, the box has the heaviest uh, weight of the grade. So if the box graded high, chances are you'll get a high grade. If the Mm -hmm. box graded low, even if you have a perfect cartridge and a perfect manual, you're likely going to be capped at maybe 7.5 or something like that. Mm Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the subgrades for WATA. It works only for CIB, uh, games. Oh, gotcha. With sealed games, they only look at two things. The condition of the box and they give it a number and the Mm -hmm. condition of the seal and they give it a letter.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. I wasn't sure if they did like an average of like, you know, surface or corners or, you know, I mean, mean, it all depends too. Uh,
1: I don't know what's on the grading report. Mm Mm-hmm. They have internal grading reports that they're currently mm-hmm. not giving out. They used to have a service where you would pay extra, maybe ten dollars or something, and get a grading report with your uh, game.
0: Right. Right. Okay.
1: Uh, but they stopped uh, doing that because of the high volume of games they're getting. So they didn't want to, uh, you know, uh, delay their uh, service further by having to give grading reports. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
0: Okay, that makes sense. EGA yeah. does
1: grading reports as well, by the way.
0: Oh, okay. So if I got something graded, if I pay a little extra, yeah. I will get their notes, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Notes. you'll
1: okay. get like a paper stamped by them mm-hmm. that has, uh, uh, you know, where they 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 put marks or on where your game is affected, where where it has, you know, tears mm-hmm. or any nicks or yeah, yeah.
0: And I'm guessing too, like if sometimes the seal comes loose, like mm-hmm. on certain parts, you know, as long as the seal is, you know, very. Exact. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's scuffy.
0: People
1: have mm-hmm. a scuffy seal. It has scuffs. Like if it has scuffs, then it's definitely going to hit the grade. Like a scuffy seal with water is probably capped at eight plus.
2: hmm. Okay. When you
1: see a game that's graded eight plus you know some people think there's no difference between a+ and a++, but there is <clears throat> uh a++ is pretty much a perfect seal it can have it can have like some people would look at a++ and say oh this seal has a it has it has a an issue how did it get a++ well yeah. what I's not saying that a++ is perfect it's saying that on a, on a on a on a on a scale a++ is you know the best type of seal you can get. It might have a a light scratch on the back, a light scratch somewhere, a tiny, a very tiny scuff, you know, it's still going to get A++ because uh places most of the emphasis on, on the game box, not the seal. Mm
0: -hmm. Gotcha. Uh,
1: When, when the game is A+, then it probably has a couple of scratches. And maybe a noticeable scuff, most most likely at the back.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. If it
1: grades A, you could see a poke in A. You could see a a poking corner. Once you get into the, you know, lower than A, then there's probably significant damage uh, to the seal. And uh, if you're a collector who cares mostly about the seals, then you should probably avoid anything lower than A
2: Mm -hmm.
1: with with water. With VGA, you don't need to worry about that because with VGA, as soon as you get into the gold grade, then you know the seal is intact. But the problem with that is that VGA places a lot of emphasis on seals. Uh, uh, They place a lot of emphasis on seal that sometimes this, uh, you know, might it might mit- misrepresent the game's condition mm. because the okay. seal can be perfect, but the box can have a little bit of an issue and it might still get uh, 85 plus, so you're in the gold grade realm. Mm. Uh, one of the f- issues that VGA doesn't typically care about is the box of uh you know game boy games and nintendo 64 games can have a bit of uh uh what do you call it like it can it can kind of cave in a little bit in, in, at one so position. like
0: warp a little bit
1: not warp but, uh, like okay it, it, would, it would like cave in
0: okay if,
1: uh it doesn't look it doesn't look bad some collectors don't care about it. Some people say it might be a factory defect. Mm-hmm. But it's something that Wata can dock points for while VGA doesn't.
0: Oh, so, interesting.
1: Yeah, hmm. so all these, all these factors uh, eventually result in, in one thing, uh, which is you can't really uh, predict the great cross unless you examine each game by, by itself.
0: Mm, yeah, you know that's really interesting that you say that because we know that obviously grading video games is in its infancy because compared to cards in general, for example, video games are so young, you know, compared to baseball cards, and and that kind of makes sense. Um, you know, the comparisons between the two because when I think of, I mean, I'm always comparing it to cards, and you know, we have multiple grading card companies, and some might be a little bit stricter than others, but for the most part. They do have very similar, if not almost exact, grading scales. I guess, I guess, maybe not grading scales, but grading criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see what VGA versus WADA cares about um and i would hope that over time there starts to become like a you know for the most part we all agree upon this when it comes to grading a game you know because i would think like if you see a you know a weird kind of um you know indent i mean you know something like that not that from an appeal perspective would that make it look bad but does that um, make it truly gem mint, you know? So, like, those are just not, things I think about. It's not, like,
1: um, um, it's not that noticeable. Mm-hmm. I just gave okay. that as an example of something that you would look, uh, like, you would need to really look at and uh, uh, look at the game from an angle and uh, uh, in order to, to see it. But I'm just saying that it's something that VGA does not believe to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Wild Water believes that is an issue. Like VGA doesn't VGA doesn't grade anything beyond the surface. Mm-hmm.
2: So with, right. with
1: PS1 games, if you have a game that uh, for example, as we talked about the st- staples of the manual, rusty staples, VGA is not gonna look at that. If the if the seal is perfect, if the the box is not cracked and it's perfect underneath the seal. And that's it. Your game is gonna get a perfect grade. Mm-hmm. But for a collector who cares, like if you look at if you look at a game and it has rusty seal rusty uh, staples, then that's an eye appeal issue. Right. Which which Wata not only ducks for, but they also point out on the label at the back of the label that they would write oh, like rusty, okay. rusty seals. Yeah, they have one of the best thing about things about Wata is having the extra notes. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the back of the game, graded by Wata, you'll see a lot of notes, like uh, issue with this with the staples, uh, like uh, they give you some random but cool information as well, like the cover was designed by this artist, or hmm. the game is like the highest selling game of that year or that console, or yeah, all all this information is written on, on the label. And by the way, I just want to point uh, out again Um, I don't necessarily prefer Wata. I like both companies. I have games from both, graded by both companies, and I I still continue to use both companies. But I will say that I have been using Wata more lately, mainly because of how much easier it is to submit Mm -hmm. games to Wata. Right. Uh, I think I think you were asking me about the submission process as well. I can talk to you about that if you like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I heard that uh, VGA the website and system was pretty legacy. <laughs> <System>. <laughs> it came
2: from for the most part. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of BGS. You know, <laughs> but you know, I, I really like hearing you you talk on these things because you know it just goes back to a similar point within cards regardless of you're looking for a PSA 9 a PSA 10 a CGC 9 a CGC 10 BGS 9 BGS 10 you still got to look at the card and regardless of the grading company you still got to look and and the grade you still got to look at the card because you could have a trash PSA 10 first edition Charizard that doesn't sell on the market (laughs) because it's a trash PSA 10 so but yeah um
1: you know, it's funny with labels. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but it's funny with labels because uh, you mentioned that it can be like a really weak PSA ten, mm-hmm. but it's still still gonna sell for ten times what a PSA what a strong PSA nine would sell for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Possibly, Even if quite- it could sell. I mean that that particular PSA ten that I'm talking about was on Heritage, try to sell, couldn't sell it, and then Golden Auction, try to sell, can sell, and and the like all the major houses but but i mean to your point someone who's not paying attention to the card yeah could still price it yeah a psa 10 but you know you have to look at the card like the card you don't buy the grade by the card if you've got a really good psa 8 you think it's a strong 9 buy it and cross grade it or get it regraded i mean do people do that a lot with video games as well kind of see yeah yeah
1: yeah, I would buy. I would buy a VGA graded game, for example. That's that's a VGA 85. That looks mm-hmm. perfect, and cross it to ATA, and it'll probably get a 9.68 plus, and mm-hmm. it'll be worth a lot more. That's just how the market is. Right. That's not you know, uh, you you know that's that's how the market is. You can either try to use that to your advantage, or you can just complain that uh you know it's a scam or whatever <laughs> you know it's how yeah. the market is like if you can take those points and use them to your advantage to make to make more cash why not why mm-hmm. not uh yeah some games um i i would i think the the specific grade to go for if you're trying to cross games from vga to wata by the way some people cross from wata to vga as well Mm-hmm. Uh, but from VGA to Wata, you need to aim for games that are graded VGA 85, because those can really go both ways. You need to check the game well before uh-huh. buying it. But if you check it well and you feel like it's a good-looking game uh, and very well priced because it's a silver grade, you should go for it. Like I bought, uh, I bought uh, Ninja Turtles one for Game Boy uh that's VGA 85 plus and i'm looking at the game from all angles i can't find any issue with the game i have no idea why it's graded 85 85 i mean if it's possible that if i crack the game open i might notice something that i wasn't able to notice behind the thick acrylic but it doesn't seem likely to me i don't see any issues with the game like i think if i cross that game to water, and I'm going to do that, so we'll probably come back to this conversation when this happens. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think it's pretty much a guaranteed 9.6, probably 8+. And it could even have a shot at a 9.8. So yeah, why wouldn't I do that? From a VGA 85 to cross to a 9.6 or a 9.8, you know, it Mm -hmm. increases the value of of the game.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, because it, it, it always seems that WADA tends to command more of a price in the yeah. secondary market compared yeah. to BGA.
1: Yeah, and that's because that's, I think, due to uh, two factors. Uh, number one, they've had a sort, like, regardless of what uh, many people would say, in my opinion, they've had a sort of consistency, mm-hmm. especially with the higher grades. Like once you get into 9.6 A++ or 9.8 A++ or A++, you know you're getting like a minty game. You can find a few examples where uh, they messed up on, Mm -hmm. but on the grand scale, when you talk more than 99.9% of what you see, you know what you're getting is, you know, the best looking, the, the, the mintiest game. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that VGA did not establish that. Of course they did. VGA has been in business for, I don't know, 15 years now. They know what they're doing. You know, they're not, uh, they're they're doing it and they're doing it well. Right. But VGA had a couple of issues that kind of impacted their, uh, uh, you know, credibility. They've had a few games that were actually fake, which they graded.
0: Oh, that is not a good look. PSA's done the same thing, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) They definitely graded fake companies. Companies can move on from that. And I think they handled it very well. VGA Mm -hmm. handled it very well because when I pointed out uh, to them that, you know, these are fake games uh, on the market on eBay, they were Pokemon DS games. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, if you know about games enough, you can easily spot them right that's not something that professional graders should let slip mm-hmm. uh yeah. they're not they're not difficult to spot especially if you're holding it in your hand because the game is much lighter it doesn't have all the manuals and the paperwork that's in the mm.
0: uh, game. it's a noticeable difference by yes. feel okay uh,
1: yeah uh so when i pointed those to them uh yeah they did the right thing they 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 Approached the seller, and they talked to the person who sent those in for grading, and they offered to, to buy them back for what whatever price that you know. Just mm-hmm. send us the games back, and they they got a lot of them back. They got them off the market. Mm, uh, that's There awesome. are still there are still a few, however. If you get on eBay right now, there is a fake Pokemon Diamond, mm,
2: uh,
3: okay,
1: PGA eighty or eighty plus. So take care of that. Um, And that's one thing I also, uh, I do respect uh, with Wata, is that spotting a lot of these fake DS games is not a super easy task. With Pokemon, it's easy. It's very noticeable because of the holographic nature of the cover. Uh, You can tell which is fake and which is real, but... The
0: patterns aren't right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: There are other games that are not as easily... Uh, you know, you can't spot them so easily, uh, mm-hmm. which is a major part of why Wata still does not grade DS games.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's hard to spot those fakes truly, without
1: uh, yeah breaking
0: I, the seal. Is that what you're yeah. saying?
1: Uh, it's it's not impossible, but it's quite difficult. Mm. And if if they if they open the door for DS. You know, they're going to come flooding into the... (laughs) With fake. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. Well, um, you know, one thing I want to kind of bring our conversation back to, which I know we've talked about, but, you know, I figured it would be a great opportunity to address this again. Um, We have a few people in the comments, you know, bringing up, a few of the listeners bringing up about, you know, trusting WADA versus all the scandals and, you know, still trusting them to grade your games well. And so one of the things that you have said already is that it seems like you do trust them from a purely, you know, grading perspective, like a quality, you know, gaming perspective. But if someone who's on the fence, you know, when it comes to, you know, grading with WADA, what would you kind of say for someone who, you know, who feels that way?
1: I mean, the, you know, the, the people doing the grading at Wata and the, uh, the person who started Wata. uh, they are gamers themselves uh, they uh, they've been in the community for a long time and uh, people always trusted them trusted their opinions with when it comes to games and stuff and they built an incredible uh, they, they you know the knowledge they they built in video games is not something to just uh, brush aside they have an amazing database of uh, knowledge when it comes to, to to video games in in general, like I learned a lot of stuff since I started uh, since I came back into video games in 2019 or early 2020. Uh, when you talk about like scandal or stuff, I I'm not sure exactly like what what points uh, what's the scandal exactly
0: um not not for sure um what they might be referencing yeah um but there were just some things um, that they were curious about yeah
1: (laughs) i don't know because like i feel like this comment is based on the the video by carl as i said like most of what's in that video is like there's a lot of misinformation there there are a lot of like true stuff that was already uh, addressed and fixed in the community. So, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if you can tell me exactly what part you see as a scandal. If we have some comments that mm-hmm. uh, you know give me specific examples, then I can address those. But in general, I don't. I don't think there was an actual uh, scandal involved.
0: Mm-hmm. So, would you say? Um if one if an additional question comes up that gives more specific i'll, I'll definitely sure. let you know sure. um but but in general um the community that has been around for a while so not necessarily newer people like myself and others but that community that's been around for a while for the most part they don't it it, it seems to be more held at a higher importance to people on the outside versus people on the inside would you say that that's kind of what you've seen
1: yeah yeah definitely that's okay. the thing because. um one of the points I wanted to say about the video is that, and I did mention that, is that the video was a catalyst for people who, uh, who were already against grading and already mm. kind of mad about how prices went up. Uh, it gave them a reason to, you know, talk about this louder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, those people who are complaining, or most of them, of course, not not all. Like some of them do have legitimate complaints, and I always have. Uh, discussions with uh, with people on Instagram, like, uh, you know, anyone can feel free to message me and we can, I'd be happy to discuss these things. Uh, but most of the people who complain, they never bought a sealed game and they were never going to buy a sealed game.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: And most people who are in the sealed game market either already knew that these things are a non-issue in the Carl video, or they, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people just simply don't who 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 are true, you know, sealed game collectors. They simply don't want to grade with one company versus the other. Like some people just prefer VGA.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh. So for the people who who are already in the grading game and the sealed collecting game the video was never an issue and the things that were brought up were never something you know that steered anything within the community of people who are active in sealed uh video games
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you know that that's really i'm glad i'm glad we're talking about that distinction because um And I've seen it with other communities. You can tell when someone is talking about a thing, but is outside of a community versus being inside it. You can, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm an example of that when it comes to video games. Right. And I mean, you know, of course I'm not painting any kind of picture of that being otherwise, but yeah, you can definitely kind of, yeah. (laughs) There's always nuances in a community, um, you know, so
1: I mean, you know, one yeah. way to look at it from a card trading card perspective is uh, what's happening right now, like with the, for example, with the comment uh, that we saw, is is similar to saying, um, why would you trust PSA after the scandal with PWCC? Mm. It's kind yeah. of a similar thing. It's not the same, right? Like and you're talking PWCC,
0: about the show
1: bidding correct yeah if okay. if pwcc uh, did anything wrong it's not psa's fault right you're not gonna say that oh these these cards are overvalued and uh, and blame the grading company i'm not saying that nothing wrong happened in the sealed video game market like while there is you know these things you can't really have proof for them like with shill bidding and stuff but yeah shill bidding definitely happened and it happens all the time yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so for sure
0: across everything
1: yeah yeah. yeah. absolutely it's either there there's always shill bidding there's always misinformation when it comes to bidding on games like you know from day one when the when the mario 64 sale Mm -hmm. that went for 1.5 million happened if you, you follow me on instagram you probably saw some of the stories i posted i called it out as you know, that's, that's not right. That's just not right because uh, this game should not be valued at, at, at 1.5 million. It makes absolutely no sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I told everyone, like, this is going to affect the market badly. No. And it ended up being a real sale. You know, it wasn't like just bid up and then unpaid for. So the buyer was probably simply uh, misinformed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: or i don't know i mean i can't even imagine like even if someone has billions hundreds of millions of dollars 1.5 million is not you know is a lot of money like you need to do your research before putting that kind of money in so it was it was just a misinformed decision i think for that where do
0: person. you where do you think that game really sits
1: at i before the auction i mm-hmm. uh I, I would tell people that it, it should go for maybe two hundred fifty thousand.
0: Mm, okay. So so
1: yeah.
0: yeah. So that that's a drastic <laughs> difference yeah. compared to what it went to. But
1: yeah, yeah. So so in this case I'm not gonna go and say that's Wata's problem. Right? I shouldn't say that
2: mm-hmm.
1: that, that Wata is at fault or anything. They just graded the game. Mm-hmm. But if there was uh some shill bidding involved which yeah probably there was but you can't really prove it and there's no point you know just talking about it in a way that's you know in a conspiracy way and
0: uh, <laughs> yeah right? but, yeah, I, I definitely understand
1: yeah but like the, the thing is the, sur- the thing that surprised me in the end was that it was confirmed paid mm-hmm. as far as I know and, yeah uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I mean, it was a very bad decision uh, on, me, on, you know, whoever, the two people who fought over it and <laughs> both <burnt> the price <laughs> of the enemy, Right. They probably got caught up in the heat of the moment. And uh, and yeah. you just
0: want to win. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that game, like a few months, you know, a few months before that, I had my own copy of uh, Mario 64 that was graded VGA 85+. plus and I was trying to sell it for uh, for $25,000, okay? And people gave me a heck of a hard time in the community. Like, uh, they kept calling me stuff and uh, calling out the game uh, and mm-hmm. saying that I'm uh, uh, like increasing, inflating prices and bubble and blah, blah, blah. Like, guys, I really believe this game is worth $25,000 today. And guess what? I do believe that it's going to be a $100,000 game in 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then people who were, when I said that, people who were on my side regarding the game being $25,000 flipped against me. What are you talking about? $100,000? This game is is quite common. It shouldn't be $100,000, not even in 10 or 20 years. And if it's going to be $100,000 in 10 years, why don't you keep it? Why are you selling it? And this kind of, you know, the typical kind of Mm-hmm. Uh, conver- uh, conversation that we get in these uh, situations and then a few months later the same game in 9.8 sells for 1.5 million dollars <laughs> right so it doesn't make yeah. sense it doesn't make sense Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Again,
0: uh, any fish markets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, what I will say is, I mean, we've been going for an hour and 30 and I can definitely keep on going, but I do want to be respectful of your time. So,
1: um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, when I thought, the, uh, uh the podcast was yesterday you know i had I had a lot <laughs> oh of man i this, feel so
0: it. bad about that <laughs> no no
1: no it, it was my it was my my problem Plus i, I oh, always do no. that i always mix the timings when when it comes to japan and,
0: oh man you know that's always i always have this like worry in the back of my head when i'm dealing with time zone i'm like okay this is the right one this is the right one okay but yeah i felt so bad because i was so i was busy doing other things so i wasn't on my phone i was like oh Damn it. <laughs> I missed yeah, but, his message uh, but
1: yeah yeah but today we can we can go on we can stop it for now it's it's totally up to you I I have nothing today
0: Okay well let me ask you then one one additional question and then we, and, and this sure. might be you know may take us 15 20 minutes who knows but um sure. so right now um what are you uh collecting uh, what what what's got your eye right now and it can be for speculative purposes or it can be for yeah personal collection.
1: Okay. So um I actually um okay, we'll talk about a couple of things. Um uh, I usually only buy stuff that I'm interested in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Stuff that I enjoy. I enjoy to collect. I don't look at uh because that's how I ended up uh with with a pretty decent collection and that I was able to, you know, gradually Uh, sell and rebuy and so on in the past couple of years i collect what what i i enjoy Mm -hmm. so i like pokemon so i wanted a full graded sealed and graded pokemon set which i completed back in maybe 2016 or 2015 and you know back back at that time i was still uh i didn't have it i i didn't have enough money to justify spending hundreds <laughs> of <on> dollars
0: <laughs> on, on those games, <laughs> games.
1: like uh, maybe in my everything in my bank account would be maybe like uh eight hundred or nine hundred dollars, and I would go buy a sealed Pokemon Crystal for seven hundred dollars, <laughs>
0: right? Right so, right.
1: so I and I did that. Yeah, I believe that is going to be valuable in the future, but I didn't think it's going to jump up that much mm-hmm. so i did that because i enjoyed having these things and if i really did believe it's gonna come up in such a short period of time then i would have bought five copies of pokemon crystal <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: hindsight is twenty like, twenty. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah like even, if, even if i if i had to borrow money for it mm-hmm. but yeah like uh, i'm like me and people who are collecting uh you know similarly to me in the community we're not geniuses like we don't think about the next 5 years or something all we think about is like this collectible is wonderful and i want to have it in my collection right now mm-hmm. so this is what what i do always i never i never get into something that i don't enjoy purely for making profit until now
0: <laughs> <laughs> until now you're making leaps here and there <laughs> yeah
1: so now I felt, I feel like I wanted to explore other market and other franchise, other franchises. And uh, I wanted to give it a go, like see if, you know, if I can speculate a little bit, see how it goes. Uh, so I started looking at what uh, the, the newer generation, the generation that came after me, like to play or like to collect and stuff. And I thought, okay, maybe Fortnite is a good place to to start. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research and I looked into the trading card community or the card community, and uh, I was surprised to see that there was actually, you know, a decently sized decent size of a community for Fortnite cards. We're talking about cards specifically, and I I I dug a bit and I found. I felt like the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Black Knight.
2: Mm-hmm. Is PSA 10. Probably,
1: yeah, it's probably the most wanted, the MVP, you can say, of, uh, of cards. Mm-hmm. And the the you know it has the shard uh, variant, holo, and the normal holo variant, and the non-holo. And to me, it felt like the the holo variant is uh quite underrated for for its population mm-hmm. and for its uh you know for a, you could say for its historical value and and taking into account its uh, pull rate. so i thought okay if i can get a psa 10 uh copy it's probably a good investment although i have yeah this was probably the first time i purchased something out of pure investment and speculation i have absolutely no interest in the franchise <laughs> i never I, i've mm-hmm. never even played one game of fortnite you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right right
1: yeah so so yeah i went ahead and uh, found the copy and mm-hmm. i bought it and now it's just sitting there uh i have i no hope system. you
0: have it in a nice case outside
1: oh, of yeah. the psa <laughs> I, I have it in one so of I'm... those uh in one of those uh, you know cases with with the eight uh, where you can fit eight or 16 cards oh
0: yeah yeah <laughs> uh,
1: someone on instagram was doing them i forgot the account's name but yeah he's from germany and the uh, quality is just incredible mm-hmm. yeah uh, so yeah this is something i'm definitely going to sell later on yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there is there are there any other cards outside of that? One that whether in Fortnite or outside of Fortnite um that you've kind of had your eye on that you're kind of like looking at, scoping?
1: Not really, but I'm no. I'm in a uh since last year I, you know, I started having this mindset where if I find something that is that feels like a bargain, then I'm going to go for it mm-hmm. even if I don't really like it. Yeah uh another thing i actually just recently got is a sealed copy of uh, fortnite for the ps4
0: oh okay that's fun
1: yeah Uh, when these came out they came out in very limited supply
0: the first release right yeah
1: uh they were released in two batches. I think the first release had a had a sticker on it, and then the batch right after it had no sticker. But they're pretty much the same game, other than the the same thing, other than the sticker that's on the cover.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so uh, I'm not sure which one is rarer, or if there is any uh, difference in rarity. Um, so they came out in very limited supply because most of the people downloaded the game. They didn't want a physical copy. Actually, actually, I'm not even sure if there's a disc inside those cases. Those mm. boxes might have, they might have a a code for download only.
0: I was gonna say too. I mean, Fortnite is a free game, so when you buy the physical,
1: yeah,
0: you, you're buying skins, though, right? That's Maybe. what I thought. I, it.
1: I have I have absolutely no idea. All I know is that <laughs> you know Fortnite is big with the uh current generation of collectors so once i got i got the chance to get one for a decent price um i just went for it so yeah that's another thing i'm just gonna you know eventually grade and flip
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that 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 completely makes sense i like your choice i like i like how you went for the you know semi biggest card i mean like obviously the black knight is the mvp of, of that set but you know at least you got the second biggest version of it because <laughs> that crystal shard man that is definitely yeah. out of my price my price range uh at least for the higher grades but i mean even a psa five i'm sure i don't know that i would afford it
1: <laughs> i mean i i looked at uh, you know i looked at the uh uh the facts around this and it feels like um pull rate wise the hollow is going to be equal if not rarer than the shard does that make sense yeah
0: yeah i mean i know there's two camps that that you know there's two camps people that prefer think the hollow foils are going to be rare yeah. and the crystal shards i don't know where i sit on that just because on the one hand the crystal shards are absolutely rare because of the fact they only come in one box, right? At least for the US version. Mm-hmm. But there is something to be said about the fact that you have to have so many more boxes to pull a full hollow foil set yeah. than you do for a crystal shard. So I don't know. I, I personally don't know. Hollow foils are in my budget. Crystal shards, not so much. So I stick to hollow foils. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can definitely understand um,
1: I mean, crystal shards are, you know, there's the eye appeal as well. Crystal shards are, uh, they look better. Um, so that's one point to, to keep in mind. And they are considered, like, I think by the by the company itself, uh, crystal shard is considered higher than a Polo, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It, they seem to have treated them that way um, okay. because of the exclusivity of how many yeah. products you know, come well, in it. I think
1: but... I do think to be fair, I think that the crystal shard will always be um the more expensive card. But at the same time I think that the holo is uh, greatly underappreciated and undervalued at the I moment. Agree. I because agree. It doesn't it doesn't make sense that it's uh, it's worth like uh ten thousand dollars at BSA ten right now. And the, what's the population?
0: Oh off the top of my head I have no idea. Um it's, but it's I, very low. It's incredible
1: yeah, it's it's i kind of remember it being like like 10
0: yeah so. it's it's definitely under 25
1: but uh, i mean that's 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 nothing mm-hmm. so but uh, yeah there's a lot of speculation involved like to anyone you know hearing this i'm not saying go and buy
2: <laughs> a yes <Black> absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah because because uh, again the generation that's enjoying Fortnite is a you know is a a hugely digital generation so we're not too sure they're gonna end up caring about cards physical cards yeah Uh, but yeah yeah, it makes sense to me Uh, speaking of digital one thing i'm also speculating on right now is nfts or nfts Mm -hmm. Uh, i didn't want to get into them until i understood everything well and i think i started to understand things well about nfts in the past few weeks mm-hmm. so uh yeah i'm also getting into those as far as speculation and investment goes.
0: okay so, um yeah. are there certain projects that you're looking at or keeping an eye on
1: um uh, right now i'm i'm working only on uh, solana based mm. projects, not ethereum yeah because it feels again i try to go with stuff that are you know, feeling more underappreciated, undervalued. Uh, Ethereum is already super established and, uh, you know, all the NFTs there are crazy expensive, whereas the gas fees, don't forget the gas fees, that's crazy as well. But when it comes to Solana, you know, the gas fees being uh, fractions of a dollar for every Mm -hmm. transaction, like $0.0001 for for a transaction. so, and if I'm not mistaken,
0: too, Solana from like a technology perspective, uh, blows Ethereum out of the water when it comes to yeah. transaction speed,
1: too. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, I'm learning a lot of these things on um, on our Discord, Discord that I joined. It's uh, you can find it, or I I can send you uh, okay. an invitation link. Uh, it's E five. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, the guys there have a lot of knowledge and they're, you know, they're happy to share it. And we're always working together on finding the best projects that are being released on Solana. Might uh, You know, one of them is also, uh, one of my friends there is also on Instagram. is quite a big Pokemon collector on Instagram.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Shadow, uh,
1: Shadow Lugia.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, what I mean?
0: mm-hmm. yeah the the account sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, and uh, he has he has an illustrator card and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's big with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. He starts to get into NFTs now, and his uh, yeah he's been doing quite well. And uh, he's teaching me stuff like I'm learning from him. I'm learning from the other guys as well. Uh, it's very interesting. And and the Discord is open to anyone. Anyone who would like to join us is more than welcome.
0: Hey, sorry. I think my internet yeah. kinda kicked me off for for a moment. I'm sorry
1: about that. All right. No worries.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Continue what you were saying about um, let me see. Uh, you were talking about Solana and how you were learning from Shadow Lugia about
1: Yeah, and the other guys on the Discord. Like he's also learning from, from some from one of the other guys on there. And uh, yeah, everyone is sharing the knowledge and it's it's been really fun. It's been a fun, fun ride. To be uh to be honest and uh, yeah it's solana is quite new it's a good point to start if you're looking into nfts to get into nfts there uh fair warning it's crazy speculative and you could like when when anyone joins the discord
2: mm-hmm.
1: they always ask them you know the guys would ask them like you have to understand that you might lose all your money are you okay with that before joining yeah. the NFT channel? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? And they have to agree because you know the guys don't want this on their conscience.
0: Right, <laughs> right, right.
1: So, so they make it like very clear. Like you have to understand, we're not giving advice. We're just you know, we're doing this because we're speculating and
0: uh, placing a so, bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you have to understand that you could lose all your money. So don't put anything that you're not comfortable losing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They join- uh yeah, yeah there
1: are a couple of projects on Solana right now. The biggest the biggest project on Solana is uh, uh Solana monkey business. Uh, however, we started we speculated on uh, another project that started just like three or four weeks ago uh, called uh, Boryoku dragons mm-hmm. which is my display picture at the moment.
0: Yes, okay.
1: So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, this project exploded. You know, it was minted as at 1 Solana, which is which was like $200, $250. Yeah. Uh, it exploded and went up to uh 50 Solana.
0: All right. right? There so, you go, which, not a bad buy.
1: <laughs> which was which was like $13,000 or something. That was when I bought mine when it became 50 solana mm. all right uh, i was very scared you know putting this kind of money into it but you know i after doing what i think is enough research i felt like it's the best thing to go into and right now uh two weeks later two weeks after i i did that made that purchase it's now at it reached yesterday 200 solana
2: mm-hmm.
1: so 40 40 something thousand dollars Today it went a bit back down today it went back to like 160 Solana floor mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's a scary position to be in because uh, the project is amazing. I don't see any reason for it not to do well. Are you familiar with uh, some of the biggest projects on Ethereum?
0: To be honest, I'm not um, okay. so yeah
1: one, one of the biggest ones on Ethereum is uh, uh, cyber cons. And uh, owning a CyberKong gives you their own token every day, which Okay. is a banana. banana. <laughs> it's called a banana token.
0: That's a really funny, actually. You
1: get, you get 10 bananas every day. And at the moment, as we speak, each banana is worth $50. Mm-hmm. So basically, just owning a CyberKong gives you a passive income of $500 every day. If you convert the if you swipe the the bananas for US uh, tether USDT,
0: it's kind of similar to eth too. If you have any vested right now, you accumulate yeah. percentages of ETH. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, uh, the Boruca dragons on Solana is trying to do the exact same thing, mm-hmm. and they give you their own token every day, seven seven of their token, which is called Boku. At the moment, it sits at about eight dollars per boku so it's just owning a dragon gives you uh something like 50 dollars $50 every day
2: mm-hmm.
1: wow so if the project continues to do well and it uh it blows out you know maybe celebrities hop hop on it or something it might it might really explode yeah so that's that's what i'm banking on but again not financial advice like this can <laughs> this can really go to zero at at any point, so you have to keep that in mind, you know, when you're putting that kind of money into, yeah. So yeah, and honestly, like, we
0: could say that about anything, anything that we collect.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, did, I, I, you know, I also got another into another NFT called the uh, Noia Ducks,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and I I speculated on that one as well, and I purchased a Noia Duck at uh, twenty two Solana, which is like for, four four thousand dollars. right now it's it's down to like 12 or 13 solana so i'm already down like two thousand dollars and i'm still holding it because i do believe it's going to bounce back because there was a reason why the price went down uh the thing is about those noia Docs is owning one gives you uh you're basically making a contract with that company to get a certain percentage of the sales of the marketplace that they made Mm. They made an NFT marketplace that they launched a few days ago. And just owning a Noya duck airdrops those uh, profits to your wallet. Hmm, interesting. However, when they launched the marketplace, the launch went horribly bad. So a the risk. Price the, yeah, so the price of the ducks went down. However, they are working on it now, which is why I believe it'll bounce back up, mm-hmm. which is why I'm still holding, I haven't sold it yet. So, yeah, it's it's all speculation. Uh, you need to be careful. Uh, but I didn't see, like, up to a couple of months ago, I didn't see myself getting into digital collectibles. Mm-hmm. But after giving it a try and, you know, dabbling with it here and there, it's fun. But, yeah, you got to be careful. You got to be really careful. And you have to you, do
0: your research.
1: Yeah, and you need... To, and no matter how much research you do, you could be wrong in the end. Because I'm talking <laughs> to you about the stuff where where I made money. I'm not telling mm. you about the stuff where I lost money.
0: <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. yeah, absolutely valid. Even when you think you know, you're still yeah. betting. It's still yeah, speculative. Yeah, yeah. So
1: <laughs> yeah, even when it comes like to video games and, and cards and all these things, yeah, I, I made a lot of uh, bad calls. But you need to make the bad calls in order in order to to learn. And, and you need, you need to have bad calls made because if you don't make, if you're not making bad calls, then you're not taking enough risk and you're not doing it correctly because you're not going to win every single uh, move you make. Right. Uh, Yeah.
0: One one of my hobby friends always said you either win or you learn.
1: So (laughs) that's, that's true. That's true. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Hopefully you've learned every time. (laughs) So yeah yeah but um you know anyways i mean when it comes to the nft stuff i haven't really gotten into that um Mm -hmm. because i'm still learning what i really love like so i i'm in development right i i'm i'm a software engineer who could easily like get into blockchain uh development Mm -hmm. which i'm actually considering um there's just a lot to learn like a lot of different languages and whatnot um but so, so for me, I haven't really done research on projects and investing in NFTs, but but what I have been trying to do is really get into the minutiae of learning, you know, the different cryptos, right? Because those are essentially platforms that you can build on top of, which, mm-hmm. I mean, because there's so many different facets to look at blockchain in general. So, mm-hmm. you know, for you, someone who feels more comfortable in NFTs, that completely makes sense. But for, for someone like me... Yeah. I like to look at the platform and I want to look at the little details that might, you know, cause, you know, people to divert from Ethereum and go to Solana or another you know platform essentially to, to build off of. Um, so, I mean, for me, you know, I, I do need to actually learn NFTs though, um, I mean, because they're so interesting to me and we've been buying NFTs without the blockchain for so long, like <laughs> You know, so when people say, oh, NFTs is, you know, that's just a fad, like maybe 95% of projects will fail, but NFTs yeah. as a concept is, makes complete sense. Yeah. I don't know. Not,
1: I would say 99 plus percent of the projects. Fail. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of the projects are coming up, uh, you know, to purely make money, a quick buck.
0: Quick pump uh, and dump.
1: Yeah. yeah and a lot of them there are a lot of scams involved which mm-hmm. is giving nfts a bad name like people think yeah. oh, nft is a scam it's not a scam like some people are using it to scam people but the but the the, the technology itself is amazing and uh, i don't know about the technical aspects and correct me if i'm wrong here but uh, a couple of companies are working on uh, interoperability
0: between uh, the
1: between all you know between ethereum and solana and what you know mm-hmm. all the different ecosystems uh, uh, of the blockchain so i think if that works out it hasn't worked out yet but if it again i don't know if uh, you know i'm talking completely out of uh, i don't know anything about the technical <laughs> aspects of this i'm just repeating what, what i heard and what i read mm-hmm. uh if it if, if that works out then There won't really be a reason for one of them to win over the other. Like, we don't. I was about
0: to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, we can end up with Solana and Ethereum both being valid options of, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because what it sounds like to me, I haven't done any research, but based on what you're telling me, it sounds like systems being able to interact with themselves. And then, and then it honestly makes it more secure because you know, blockchain can be hacked, but it's very hard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to the layperson saying that it can't be hacked is somewhat of a true statement, but in all reality, when you talk about, um, you know, the the difficulty to actually do that, because you have to be able to hack something like 50 plus percent of entire system to actually effectively hack all of the different nodes. So Mm -hmm. increasing that number, you know, multiplying it by yes. all the platforms. It, if it, if that's how, if that's what you're meaning and, and if that's what that is, then, you know, it makes the system very secure because it's very like, interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, those, those are the things that are really interesting to me because, and, and, and when you look at platforms, um, you know, you don't have to be incredibly technically minded to know, to, to, to be able to understand that obviously you want to find a platform that's very secure obviously you want to find platforms that you know can implement faster transactions because those things are so impactful i mean even when blockchain first came out with just bitcoin people didn't understand that normally if you're transferring money from the u.s to france for example that could take literally two days but now with blockchain yeah it happens very quickly and then when you Multiply that by however much volume of transactions the system being able to support those things. I mean, even looking at those simple specs, you can just pick one very easily and, and go with it. Yeah. You know, and trust uh, it'll do well. Yeah,
1: the, you know, the money transferring part is amazing. Like mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: when I when I first started accepting payments for you know Pokemon cards or video games or whatever in crypto, I did it very hesitantly. Like I was very hesitant to. To step into that uh, direction, I can
0: understand that. Yeah. But
1: after I started, like now, whenever someone wants to buy something from me, I go like, crypto is preferred. Mm-hmm. Like if if you pay in crypto, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a discount. Oh, because okay. because the money goes you know so fast and directly into my, you know, hassle free. I don't need to deal with any any bank any. I don't need to deal with any third party that's that might. If, you know, if the transaction amount is huge, it might give us some sort of trouble or some sort of problems. Or at the minimum, it might take time to get from one bank account to to another. Yeah. Yeah. But with with the crypto, you just go like, okay, so yeah, this card for this amount of crypto, uh, five seconds later, oh, yeah, I got the money. Thank you. Mm -hmm. The card is on the way or the game is on the way to you. Mm-hmm. yeah it's incredible
0: i can definitely understand that from a practicality you know perspective yeah. on your end so yeah. <laughs> yeah but um anyways i mean we've been going two hours now She's yeah <laughs> um <laughs> i i really appreciate you coming on this has been Thank so you. helpful to me you know and and i hope to to other people as well because i've been learning a hell of a lot so if you could let everyone know how they can find you if they want to reach out for more questions
1: um uh, uh, instagram would probably be the best option okay uh if you can can i type it somewhere i think so okay
0: um no no you know what actually i can put a link um do you do you have are you on other social media as well
1: uh i am but i don't really use them much i'm on facebook on on twitter uh but yeah instagram is what i used what i use mostly
0: and and how do you pronounce it how to canito
1: Hadook
0: Did I say Nido. that? Yeah. Okay,
1: okay, good. Uh, Hadouken from Street Fighter.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Good game. Good game. Um. But yeah. Anyways. Well. You know. I like. I said. I appreciate your time, and I'll make sure to put a link. Uh. For everyone. So yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I have sure fun is. as well. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. Let's do this again sometime.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Take care.